And uh, I don't know if anybody would like to volunteer for that. Three people? Yeah? All right. Stephanie and who else? Okay, cool. Shelly and Debbie? Thank you, ladies. Yeah, just grab the stuff. It should be in the freezer. You guys know. Thanks for doing that. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, watch out. <laughs> All right. Well, just one more. I mean, nobody else has any prayer requests? I don't want to short anybody. I mean, it's one of, yeah, Pam. Ephesians. We're going to stay where we're at in Ephesians as far as the chapter. Because last week I felt like, well, I kind of had to run really fast at the end because the time all of a sudden just closed in. You should have seen it. But it just came right in there, and I couldn't get it finished. So I, I felt like I shorted, and, and there is, there's so much stuff right there at the end of that uh, section that we're going through. So because it's short and sweet, it's perfect for tonight. And uh, just to go and speak more into how important it is of us being those fellow believers and how connected we are and, and how we experience God through each other, which is just some stuff that I think that, you know, we like to isolate ourselves and keep it, let's, you know, between us and God. And... Uh, you know, everybody else will come in and shake their hand at the first, and then that's about as far as we'll go because we don't want any personal things getting out. And uh, as we get to see and through the scriptures, it's so important in how we're interacting with each other. And God's given us certain tools to be able to interact. He's given us gifts that we're supposed to interact with each other with. And it's such a neat thing how he's designed it, and I don't think it's stressed enough in churches about that community that needs to happen. It's more stressed, hey, let's come and worship together and let's come and hear a good teaching. And the thing is, is notice where you guys are facing. You're in one direction, and it's not, you know, the, the, the way that it's kind of set up is the attention forward, and the side thing isn't really happening unless it's the greeting time of the first. Now, I'm not knocking how church is traditionally done, but it's important that we find those other avenues, those other outlets, to get to each other and to spend time with each other. And uh, that's kind of the, I'm going to step into the promo for the family camping. Okay, <laughs> that just came to mind. I was like, man, I'm setting it up for an advertisement for this. <laughs> no, but just getting out there and being with each other, spending time with each other and, and getting to, you know, um, be that counselor for somebody that needs to have that counseling, being that comfort for somebody that needs that comfort and really getting in and understanding people's lives and using those gifts that he's given and having that, uh, that, that hospitality that the Lord's given you, that, that uh, you know, being able to decipher or understand what's going on in somebody else's life or even having to go through those hard times so that you can encourage somebody else. And always we watch for that, but if we isolate ourselves, we're not going to have any of those opportunities. If we really don't get to know each other, then, I mean, how is that going to ever come up, you know, out that the other person is struggling? And some of us are a lot harder than others where we don't because we've been hurt by people because we've opened up too much to them or we feel we've done too much and they've used that against us. And, uh, I mean, it was encouraging with Autumn, and I'm going to not pick on you, but encourage you, hopefully, but the things that I heard afterwards, and just, it was so cool to hear about how awesome, and people see a big change in your life, and just what's going on there. So it's exciting to see, and seeing people come alongside you, and, and that's how it's supposed to be. That's exactly what church is about, not isolating ourselves, but coming together for that unity. And so, we'll get into that more tonight, in that next section, section this uh, verses 17 through 32, we'll save it for next week, because it is a big one. And it's a very powerful part of Scripture that I definitely don't want to just run through. So right there, we're going back over Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, starting there. And uh, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And Lord, we do want to learn more about you and, and uh, even more on what you've asked us to do as far as your body and how we interact with each other and, and the different things, Lord, that you point out to us is what a mature believer looks like. And, and for the younger believers to get to see this is what... Um, that walking with you is, and getting to see those different proofs that you have for us to show us that, yes, we are walking in the right direction. And Lord, I ask you just speak tonight, and just through your word, and uh, Lord, just use me as your vessel. Um, you know, you know the things that go on, Lord, and I'm definitely not worthy to be even preaching your gospel and your message, Lord. And I just thank you for using each one of us, Lord, and the gifts that you've given us, and it's all by grace. And uh, just your love you pour out on us, Lord. So we praise you for that. You're such a good God to us. And in your name I pray, amen. Now, if you guys have, I'm going to go into a different translation. I really liked how the ESV uh, went through this different part of the passage. I know some of you guys use the ESV. Um, it's one of my different ones that I, I end up going to. Oh, I hope it goes to it. <laughs> Here I am talking about it, and my, my little tablet doesn't want to go there. Um, the English Standard Version, it's, a, it's another different translation. I like it as far as what I'll use in the different translations is I really like to study in the New King James. I think there's a lot of different things that it provides there, and also in Bible college, that's what I use. So I, you know how you get to know your Bible and you know where stuff is. But the ESV, I really enjoy just my time of devotion with him. It's an, you know, it's an easier one to read. It still goes in depth. It doesn't execute and, and delete some of the stuff. It's not a paraphrase like an NIV. And it's just a neat translation. So we definitely hear at Calvary, we like other translations. It's not just sticking to one. Uh, we kind of omit the New Living or the New World Translation. That's not, <laughs> if you guys know what that is, that's Jehovah's Witnesses Bible. Um, we don't go there. Uh, but you guys, it's cool to look around and get to see different translations. Um, before you guys get into a different translation, make sure you research. Where's that coming from? You know, who's the ones that have set this up? Where did they get their information? How did they translate these scriptures? Is it just off of another English version? Or, you know, and go and research it. But there's some really good translations out there. So with that, I want to read through real quick in that same part with using the ESV. And in verse 1 it says, And he gave some of the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather than speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and, uh, joined and held together by every joint with which is it equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And just a neat translation, it kind of you know, uses some different words in there. Um, so, going back to that verse 11, and verse 11 we really ripped apart because we went and explored all those gifts, right, last week. One of the ways you can look at this, and the way that we took it last week, is seeing these as gifts, but if you look at it too and you read it, it's also positions. And you see these four different positions in the church. 
And so when you see that there in verse 11, and those different positions he gives, but they have a purpose and why he's given them, right? In verse 12, the purpose is right there. It says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, here's a big deal. This is an interesting one because lots of churches out there, what they do, and this is not what God has set up to do. God has not designed the church for the congregation to go out and find a pastor, to find one worthy. That's not how he set it up in the first place. And then to take that pastor and say, okay, here's your job. Grow the church and make us get along. (laughs) Thank the Lord that's not the pastor's deal. But there's so many churches that feel that way. If there's a conflict in the church and the the pastor's able to resolve, usually there's a division. So they feel the pastor's sided with the other group. And he's usually sitting there like, what in the world just happened? This is crazy. Or they tell him, okay, you're not going to do anything. Get out of here. You can move on. You know, I was talking with uh, one of my other neighbors on the other side of me, and he was talking about the church in front of us and just how they had ended up letting a pastor in there, and he told the guy right before he went in there, because he knew him from when he was younger, and he said, watch out, be careful. Well, a couple months later, he's packing up his car, and he goes, hey, where are you going? Yep, they told me to leave. (laughs) And the whole thing was that they were in control, the congregation was in control, and they were seeking what they wanted. And what it says right here, it says, that he's set up, right? He said that he's made, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. God's the one that gave them. God's the one that was the one that picked them out. In verse 12, he says, and he picks them out for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So the next part is, is it says, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith. But what it's talking about in the verse 12, for equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, it's interesting because what is the job of these pastors, these evangelists, these prophets? What's their job? It's to equip, right? It's to teach us the Word of God. And that's where we get to see where they're trying to equip us, and we get to see this over in 2 Timothy 3.13, if you guys want to turn over there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. too far. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, and it says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from uh, whom you have learned them, and that from the childhood you have known the, scripture, the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. In verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's what it's talking about. That's what that equipping and what he's going with. And even in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah 3.15, I like this one. This is one that I had to retreat to. A couple times. Jeremiah 3.15. Which says, And I will give you the shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And that's not talking about these guys are going to come in with some good opinions. (laughs) The knowledge and what they're going to get there and the understanding, it talks about in the other scriptures, is that's coming from the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And he's going to send these shepherds, these ones that are going to take care of us to be able to feed us in that way. And so right there in Ephesians, back over in chapter 4, 
what their job is to equip us, the saints, for the work of the ministry. So the pastor, his job is not to try to unify and try to build the church. We know in another scripture too in 1 Corinthians where Paul is talking about it. You guys, it doesn't matter who planted the church and who's the one that's running the church right now. It's God that gives the increase. It's his duty. It's his church, so he's the one that's going to take care of that. And it's unfortunate so many men step in there and they, they, they almost bur- they do. They burden themselves with this. They have to do all these different programs. They have to try to get this thing started up rather than following what the Lord's asked them to do. And so us as saints, it says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we are equipped so that we are the ones that can start building up the body. If you understand that. We're the ones that kind of sharpen each other. And we're doing that because of the knowledge and the understanding that the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists are giving us through the Word of God. And it's interesting to see that that's their part of the body, isn't it? That's those gifts that God's given them. And unfortunately, we throw all these burdens and these different works on top of those guys and say, you're the ones that are going to take care of it because you're the ones in front of everybody and you're not afraid to do that and this, and so you take the responsibility. And we even see back in Acts what it says when they're trying to actually do the ministry, the ministering, and working on the tables and doing that. It says that they got overwhelmed, and so they ended up setting up seven different guys to take care of the tables, right? And they gave themselves to what? Prayer, right? And teaching the Word. That's where they went back to because that's what their duty, that's their part of the the body. And that's how churches, that's a healthy church is when it's not just thrown on a few people in the church, but the church itself is the one that's edifying. Just like what it says there in verse 12, for the edifying of the body of Christ, and in verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness. And now what it does is it starts giving a list of different things there. And these different things that it's going to start giving are different proofs. Different proofs to see that we're in this body and that we're doing the right thing inside this body. And so the first one is the unity in the faith. Right there in verse 13. We all come to the unity of of the faith. Now, when there isn't any unity, when there's strife that's going on and there's division within the church, one of the things we should look at and see right away is where is the faith? Where does the focus? Because remember back in verse 5 of the same chapter, it says that we're all under one faith, right? The interesting thing is that when you start seeing division, it's because two opinions have come in and there's conflict that comes into there and the faith is kind of forgotten about. And the faith being pointed at what's the one faith? Well, every time it talks about the one faith, it's pointing back at Jesus, isn't it? And our belief in Him. And every time, if you guys can center back onto Jesus, if there's division, I guarantee unity will come back in there. That's what the Scriptures are saying. Till we all come to the unity. Like, if we want to see unity, this is what we're going to come to. We're going to come to that faith. And the other thing we're going to come to is the knowledge of the Son of God. And those are interesting things because usually what we try to do is we try to make each person, when there's division, we want to make both sides feel good so there won't be any more division. Even within our kids, well, maybe not feel good. It's usually discipline right away. You know, like, no, you're not going to do that. Stop trying to be selfish, which sometimes needs to happen within the church. But a lot of times what we do is we seek just to, like, bring down the heat, you know, bring down this, this conflict. And the thing we need to retreat back to is that one faith that we have in going back to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what it's saying right there. Until we all come to that unity, the unity of the faith and with the knowledge of the Son of God, knowing Jesus can bring many of us back into that unity, right? Knowing Jesus brings a lot of things into our own lives. 
the biggest thing that I understand and I see is that when we get to know Jesus, like what it's talking about, when we get to know him, we get to understand who we are now. Because the scriptures talk about us being in Christ. And so having this knowledge of Jesus, when you guys start researching and, and going through the gospels and seeing who Jesus was, you know what happens with you? And you start reading the other scriptures that say that he's in you, you know, and that we've put off the old man, we put on Jesus, we put on this new man. What it's talking about is now that, the, here's the things that change. Now we forgive. And these are characteristics of Jesus, right? This is what, who Jesus was. So when we get to know him, we forgive. When we get to know Jesus, we love. When we get to know Jesus, we serve. When we get to know Jesus, we speak truth. And on and on. I, you guys can just start thinking of the different things that Jesus showed us through his life. And all you're doing is you're looking and saying, you know what? If he's in me, that's in me. I just need to stop whatever's going on. If there's no unity right now, I need to retreat back to who is Jesus Christ. I have faith, absolutely, that I was buried with him in newness of life. I'm raised with him, just like Romans 6 says. There's where their faith is, that unity in the faith. And now I know who Jesus is. I know the person he asked me to be and the example he gave his disciples that I also am a disciple, so I follow. Did you track with all that? It's a good place to be when we get to know Jesus because when we start knowing him, and it's not just, I know this cool guy and he did these really neat things. It's entering into that same position. It's entering into that same place where he was and having that power that he's given us to overcome. And so anytime you guys are faced with conflict, if it's going on right now, retreat back to that. Where am I at right now with Jesus? Where am I? Or am I very self-seeking right now and the conflict is because I'm not going to budge because I'm right? You know, or, or however the situation is with whatever uh, division that's going on in the life right now. Now, one of the other ones is another proof is, is the mature uh, to manhood, which this is one of those ones, you know, that it's so many rituals around the, 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 the world and different tribes and nations that they have these rituals that they'll do for a young man coming into manhood. And it's a big deal because what that means is there's more responsibility that's put on them, but there's also this knowledge that comes up and they understand that, yes, I'm an adult now, I'm accountable for these things, but now I have other privileges. And that's when he's talking about this, and he's talking about in there in, in uh, verse 13, he says, in the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Or what it said in the SV was to that mature manhood, to mature manhood. And so it's that graduation. And it also goes along with that next thing right after where it says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so you have this, this mature manhood or this maturing into that adulthood, which takes place of us figuring out things, doesn't it? If you see a youth out there and you're counseling them and you're trying to help them along, you're discipling them, you're trying to help them understand that you have two choices. You have the world's choice or you have Jesus' choice, right? Like it all comes down to choices. And after a while, we've learned that it's such a greater thing to choose the way that Jesus does things, the way that he would interact, how he would do it rather than the world. But it does take time because we're stubborn. And so as you start progressing, you start progressing to this adulthood. If you guys look over in Hebrews 5.14, this says it very clearly. Hebrews 5.14. It says, but solid food, or let's start in verse 13. It says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of 
full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Right there, flat out. It's talking about our choices that we end up making and that progression that happens. And so you get to see one of these proofs that's happening is you'll get to see a mature person. So another question to ask ourselves is how mature are we? Are we progressing still? Or is that we've kind of given up and I'm just going to keep going back to the, the easier route, the, the, what my body's been conditioned or that exercising I've already given it, and going to what's ever against God? Rather than stopping and being like, no, you know what? He lives in me. I'm going to start living for him. And I'm going to start exercising, just like what it says there in Hebrews, exercising to understand that what is the good and the evil and to take what is good rather than the evil. And then back over in Ephesians where it says, and right after that, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, or in the ESV what it says is it says, uh, uh, to the mature manhood, to the measure of the stature, I guess it says the exact same thing. To the fullness of Christ. That's one of the ones that didn't change. So when it talks about that and this stature that we, we come to or this, this uh, fullness of Christ, it's understanding what we are. It's Christ-likeness. And you guys have heard Christ-like all over in the scriptures. That's what it's talking about here. Our stature now, our identity is with Christ. That's part of that maturity. That's part of those proofs. And I don't know how many people have you guys met that you come across them and you're like, wow, that is one person that is just like Jesus. I mean, they're just so happy all the time. They're, 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 and they're not putting on this, this fakeness. It's not they're trying to push themselves to be happy. They're just so excited because they know where they stand with Jesus. They know where they stand with the Father. And they're so excited to go tell other people just to love on them. And you know that they've experienced so many things in their life that have brought them to that point. Usually if you sit down with a person like that, they've had one of the hardest lives you've ever heard about. But God has just molded them into this, this person that absolutely just loves everybody and they know where they stand with him and all they can do is just praise him and love those that are around them. That maturity, that Christ-likeness, that stature that now they identify themselves fully with Jesus Christ. And then the next one in verse 14 it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, into the cunning, craftiness, and deceitful plotting. This would be stability. Do we have stability? And the stability has to go back, and it goes back to what those guys are saying to us and that they're equipping us saints. Because if we're not equipped through the Scriptures, then what happens is the other cults or other people that have kind of taken the Scripture off, like what uh, Sean's been talking about with what Satan did to Eve, you know, giving a little bit of truth there, we won't know what the full truth is if we don't know what the Word of God is. That's just how it goes. If you guys have ever looked at different cults and things, if you guys notice, a lot of the people that weren't raised in that cult and joined it later, most of the time they're coming out of a Christian church. But usually it's a Christian church that was not preaching fully what the Word of God was. It was just hitting some here and there's. And they weren't solid, they weren't firm in that Word. And so when they came with this other Word, they are kind of like, yeah, that sounds about right. And you guys have a happy family, so it must be good. And then they go and start entering in, and they get into this bondage of all these things they have to do so that they can please God. I mean, every cult's that way. They're all about pleasing God through their works. And it's unfortunate how a lot of people have gone there, but if you look at it, there's very few people that have just come straight out of the world into that, but most of the time they've been church before that, and they find this. And so it's a very big thing that we understand that we are stable in it. And if you guys want to look at 1 Peter 3.15, it talks about us defending our faith, giving an answer for the hope that's in us. And being ready to is what it says. Being ready to give a defense. And that's one of those things you have to know the Scriptures. That's why it's so important to study the Scriptures. 
For you guys, again, we're going to be starting next uh, uh, Thursday, or uh, the 2nd um, of June, that first Thursday of June, we're going to be starting a class of going through and how to study the scriptures. It'll be at 7 o'clock at night. It's going to be an awesome part, and it's one of those things that we're going to be able to defend the faith. We're going to know the scripture. We're going to be able to study through it, and I want to give you guys some tools for that and all kinds of plugs tonight. <laughs> in verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in him who is the head, Christ. So speaking the truth in love. Truth without love is brutality. And we talked about this last week. And love without truth is hypocrisy. Truth unites and lies divide, right? Love unites and selfish divides. In Colossians 4, 6, this is one of the scriptures that I retreated to so many times because I was out of line. And it says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Like, you might have the truth, but be careful on how you're delivering it. And you guys know so many times, especially within our marriage, like, I'm going to get, you know, I'll tell you what's up. This is the truth. And it's not going to be received because it's with a know-it-all attitude. It's with the, I'm going to cast you down with this Bible verse or, or however it goes. And it's not seasoned with salt. There is no flavor to it. It's pretty disgusting. So the person is going to spit it out and just forget about it and try to throw something else back or however it goes. We have to be careful. When you speak the truth, give it in love. Give it in love. And that next one right there in that verse, in verse 15, but be speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things to him who is the head, Christ. I love that it says grow up. Did you guys catch that? It tells us to grow up. You've heard that saying before, I'm sure. Grow up. <laughs> and it says in every way, not just one. And that's one of those things that encourages us, and he wants to encourage us because it's not just grow up in the one thing you're good at. There's a lot of times what we want to do is we want to feel like Okay, I can give myself a pat on the back because I'm doing all right, because I've really conquered this. It's been like 15 years, and now I'm, I'm good with it. And there's this whole other thing he's trying to talk to you about that's back there. You're kind of just dragging along and ignoring because you've done really good on the one thing. And what it's saying is grow up into all things. All things. Because that's what Christ is, right? He's conquered all of it. In verse 16, to close out, it says, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And what holds us together is what we've been equipped with. You know, whatever he's been given out to us, that's what we're equipped with, and so that's what joins us together. When there's division, look at what's breaking down those joints. Whenever there's division, look right away and see what in the world is going on with those different things that he's given us, he's equipped us with. Are we using them as tools to be able to edify and build up, or are we using them as weapons to cut each other down? Usually after each time he talks about the gifts, he says, be careful that you edify, that you don't bring each other down. Because it is an easy thing, especially if you had the gift of healing or something, and somebody else has the gift of hospitality. It's like, well, you, I, God gave me the gift of healing, what are you doing? Oh, you're serving coffee? Slap hands. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know? It's these things that we don't use against each other. It's more we're excited with each other and we come together as that body and we can push other people. We can show them what Christ looks like. And I think so many times we're in error because we don't see the importance of what God's even given us here in these scriptures and making sure that we're unified in what we're doing together. So every time we have a women's event be careful on what you guys are doing to each other. Be careful of the things that are coming out. Be careful that you're there for the person that's sitting on the outside. 
that you can bring them in. Show that love and, and just look at what God's given you. Look at the gifts he's given you. If you don't have that gift and you see that there's something that's needed there, you probably know somebody that does have that gift. Go get them. That's part of the body. You know, men, that are, whatever's going on with the men that are going around, you guys, we have to open up to each other. We have to get into each other's lives. We can't be so guarded. That's what the enemy would love for us to do because if we don't do that, what's going to end up is that we're going to be closed off. We won't ever know, and we're not going to be the strong force that God's already given us, that ability to be. He's already set it right in front of us. We just have to take hold. These big things that are going to be coming up with the church and the things that we might be doing with this youth center and everything, the enemy's not going to want us doing that. As soon as we start reaching out to the community, I guarantee you guys there's going to be some stuff that's going to happen in here. There's going to be, he's going to try to bring division, and we have to be very careful of that. I don't think it's coincidence that he has us going over this, I mean, praying over it and saying, I don't, you know, why, Lord, why go over it two times? I mean, they're going to, you know, it's all redundant. But he has so many things here, and he, he usually prepares us for things that we may be going through right then or we're going to go through. So if any divisions come up within this church, you guys nip it in the butt right away. Get after it. Go and see what's going on. Go back to that and see where are we at with unity right now. Here's some different things that he said to. If you guys don't have unity, well, then go and check out the faith that's there. Go and look at the knowledge of the Son of God. Go and look at the joints. What's going on? Is something disturbing the joints? Is there a virus and they're breaking down those joints? And we need to pray and get it out of there, right? And some awesome scripture he's given us here. And now he encouraged that church in Ephesus there and to continue on. So next week we'll go over the new man. And uh, that's an awesome section. It's such an encouraging one to get to see what we are in Christ and, and what he expects of us uh, individually in our lives. So it's a good one. But we'll go ahead and pray, and then you guys can go get some ice cream. So, Lord, love you, and, and thank you just so much, Lord, on how you knit us together, how you've given us those uh, gifts, Lord. And I do pray for this church, Lord. I don't know what's going to come down the pipeline or, or the different things that people will have come in here. Lord, I ask you to just bind us together. And that we could be that power that you've asked us to be, Lord, that light that you want us to be for this community. And, uh, Lord, that we can reach out to the youth here and that there be a change in this, in this city, Lord. I know just talking to different families and even getting to see the different things, there's such a stronghold here, Lord. And the enemy doesn't want us to bind together. He doesn't want us to end up being that family that you've called us to be, Lord. And I pray just by your power that you would have that happen, Lord, that we'd submit to it. Lord, we see the importance especially of, of how important it is, Lord, and that we would take that initiative, Lord, rather than sit back and expecting you just to make it happen. Lord, I ask that we take that initiative and really bind together with each other, Lord. And um, Lord, you're the only one that can do this. We, I know that you're the one that will bring us together. I mean, it's your body, and so you love it so much, Lord. We praise you and thank you for that. Thank you for what you've done in redeeming us. And uh, Lord, the faith that you give us, Lord. And you're such an awesome God to us. In your name I pray, amen.